Well, here's Mitch and I, and uh, I'm starting, but it's Mitch's podcast to host, but uh, we wanted to try something different this Sunday for our sermon. Instead of doing a video recording where I'm talking into uh, a laptop camera or my cell phone camera, mm-hmm. we want to do something that's more conversational style, yeah. like the podcasts you've been hosting. Yeah. Because I'm not a big fan always of monologue messages. Mm-hmm. I prefer conversational dialogue messages. Perfect. So we're trying something brand new. Um, it's going to be like jazz. We just, you and I just said something like that. It's going to be like jazz in the sense that we have notes in front of us, but we don't really have a full on script to follow. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see what happens. Um, to remind people, we are, our teaching series for the summer has been on the one another statements. And this recording is going to be on the, the one another about uh, being hospitable to one another coming out of first Peter chapter four. Want to jump in there, Mitch, and say a few things, maybe? Yeah. So, uh, like Andrew was saying, our passage today that we are going to be discussing is First Peter four, uh, verses nine and ten. We might jump a little bit uh, further back to verse eight, maybe up to eleven. I don't know. We'll see where it goes. See where the scripture and the spirit takes us. Absolutely. So I'm just going to read it here. Um, again, First Peter four, verse nine to ten uh, states: Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. I'm just going to read that first part again quickly, uh, because the one another statement is show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Uh, So like we were discussing before, this passage is very interesting to me. Uh, Yeah, I, I find that it's... It, it's, it seems like it's a pretty straightforward ask, you know? It's it's like, what should we do? We should show hospitality. It's, yep. There doesn't seem to really be much more there. Um, it seems way easier than some of the other statements, not necessarily the one and other statements, but uh, other statements that we find in the Bible, like totally. loving your enemies, yeah, uh, taking up your cross, uh, confessing your sins, or your insecurities with one another. I find that to be difficult sometimes. Yep. Uh, whereas this is... This seems to just be simple. It's show hospitality. Uh, But then there's a caveat at the end of the verse stating that we are to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Yeah. Which is interesting. That's where that's where the the toughness comes in and the work that sometimes we have to do. Totally. Yeah, I mean, uh, I also kind of noted that when I looked at this text, and uh, I was gonna maybe say two things. One, we're actually doing a video recording as well, Mm -hmm. just in case a video recording actually is a good idea. Yeah. But also, uh, I want to say that Mitch and I kind of didn't work super close in preparing this. We kind of did our own thing, our own kind of studies, that kind of stuff. But like Mitch said, that without grumbling statement stood out to him, it totally stood out to me as well. Mm -hmm. Just to acknowledge that uh, this hospitality thing, even though it seems kind of light and easier compared to other commands in the Bible, that idea that, you know, Peter says, hey, do this without grumbling, acknowledges that there's, there's a cost. There mm, is a mm-hmm. burden associated with this command, with this thing that we're supposed to fill out, and um, how difficult this is actually yeah. could potentially be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, if we kind of look back, I mean, I'm a biblical study student, yep. so sermons are all about history, like history and and yes. whatever. So I have to swing a little bit in there to to make up for my internship. Uh, so kind of like when I was looking back into the context of what the Peter was writing about. Um, it was, it was during the early church, mm-hmm. and back then there was no church building. The yeah. early church was in the house yep. or sometimes in, in some other places, but they never had an actual church building. The yep. church was, was the group in the community. Uh, so showing hospitality 
was literally inviting the entire church to your house. Absolutely. Yeah, and something that that Andrew you you had mentioned earlier was that um, when you invite somebody to your house, you're also that you're in you're inviting them to an open pantry. Totally. Like anything that is yours is now theirs. Um, and that's that's nothing. I mean, there there's there's a few churches around that are that are completely home based. Um, but in the grand context of of church in North America right now, I mean the normal quote unquote right now, the normal before COVID kind of right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Is that there's a church building and the church is a place where you go on Sunday morning uh, and you hear from a pastor Yeah, and uh, you go home and sometimes you will have people over for dinner, um, whether they're part of your church community or not. Yeah. That was kind of where hospitality was. Totally. That's kind of our normal understanding of hospitality. You invite some church friends over, maybe, maybe a visitor or a newcomer and you get to know them over like, the roast that mm-hmm. you put in the stove in the oven before the service or what yeah. have you. Right. And yes, for this idea of hospitality, that's, wasn't the idea of hospitality that, uh, you know, the, the listeners to this letter would mm. be thinking of. They'd be mm-hmm. thinking of the fact that right each week we're inviting a bunch of people, sometimes strangers, sometimes yep. street people, who knows what into our house. And we have the responsibility to provide a meal for them because yep. most worship gatherings at this time centered around a meal and you would hope and assume that people would contribute as they're able, but hmm. it would fall on the host predominantly to provide the meal. So you're sharing right out of your pantry. Yeah. And uh, another angle that this this command to be hospitable to one another comes from is the idea of out of town travelers. Mm, right. And how we're we live in a world that's very familiar with inns and hotels and such. But that wasn't super commonplace back mm-hmm. in the day. They had the inns from time to time in certain locations. But the inns were expensive and were sometimes of questionable quality or character, hmm. right? And so if, especially if it's a person of your shared faith and yep. they're traveling, maybe it's a guest speaker or, you know, Peter's writing to people who are under oppression and persecution. Mm, so maybe mm-hmm. they're fleeing, that kind of thing. For them, they would be, they would, the original listeners would be hearing this as a uh, hospitality to complete strangers. So out of town and people, travelers that yep. they have never met before. And they're being asked without grumbling mm. to make space for them, yep. to make space for them at their table. And, you know, the food that was already kind of thin, you know, that was already being portioned out to the family because they often lived hand to mouth, you know, well, we just got enough for a family. Well, guess what? Now you have to stretch that even thinner right. to include the guest. Yeah. And, you know, this guest is going to be here for a night or two. So, you know, our sleeping quarters, which are already pretty tight, we're going to have to find a way to get the guest in there. Maybe that means some of the family is going to go sleep with the animals downstairs or whatever. Right. So like, yeah, don't grumble if you have to go sleep with the cow tonight. Right. Don't grumble if you get half a plate of food instead of a full plate of food because you got guests in town. Yeah. Gets real, real fast. And and I I feel like just in, in my understanding of, of showing hospitality nowadays too. Like if, if somebody's coming to my house, I I'm prepared, I'm prepared to feed them. I'm prepared to sleep on the couch maybe if they need my bed. Um, but where the issue sometimes comes in is if they overstay what I am expecting. Right. So it's like, I am, I will, I am happy to show hospitality without grumbling as long as I'm showing hospitality on my terms. But as soon as, as soon as that, that overstay, their welcome happens, um, from usually often no part of their own or no fault of their own, 
then it's like, oh, I start to get a little frustrated because yeah. now it's it's the food that I've prepared for them is now leaking into the food I kept for myself. Right. Or yeah, or my time that I that I need to go to work now suddenly I have to be worried about these people staying in my house, right? right? So it's disrupting not just your food, but it's disrupting mm-hmm. your entire schedule. Absolutely. And have you got personal experiences in that? Not to name um, names. Yeah, but, uh, no. Uh, I I can't think of anything right off the bat. Okay. Um, but. Yeah, just I, I don't know. People people will come visit, mm-hmm. um, and I'm expecting them for a day, and yeah. they stay for three. Yeah, uh, and it's just I'm I'm just not prepared for that. Totally. Yeah, and that's the thing I think. Uh, coming back to hospitality is that there's planned hospitality when yeah. you know people are coming over, and you can you know plan accordingly. Mm. And then there's the spontaneous stuff or the things that you didn't account for, like yeah. hey, you said one day, now it's been three. What the mm-hmm. heck? Um, and we were just talking before we started recording about this idea of hospitality is by definition inconvenient. Mm. Like it comes at a cost and it, it, it's hard to always plan around. Right. And, um, Marie and I, we've had experiences with, uh, hospitality where, um, sure. I'll tell stories. Uh, yeah. we have one person in our life a few years ago, uh, she was street entrenched. She's mm. uh, in a much better place right now. Her name is Sharon. Um, but at that time she was in a really difficult spot and she would often be at the tents down by, uh, MCC Insulation okay. Army. Yeah. And one day I was at work, I was doing carpentry at the time and Marie's home with four little kids and Sharon literally just barges through the door. Uh, no knock, no nothing, just like walks right in and falls asleep on her couch. And she had a rough night. It mm. was, it was obvious that, uh, she was sleeping somewhere very dirty yeah. because the couch smelt like garbage okay. after she left. Right. And so this is an example of like, Hey, we've been a part of Sharon's life for a while. We had mm. extended hospitality. She had been in our home before we had, we had done life together a little bit, but this was like taking the inconvenience to a whole new level and like mm. how to respond to as a family. How do we work that out? We have an, we have another family that we, we know and love and we We've been a part of their lives for a few years now where the parents are both deaf and okay. we've had some ch- learning curves um, with social cues from their deaf culture and our culture mm. to like, what does it mean to communicate um, how long they can stay? Okay. Yeah. Um, they have young kids. We have young kids. There were times where like you just acknowledged they overstayed their welcome yeah. and Marie's late for an appointment because, you know, she couldn't communicate, I guess, in the right way that, no, we need to, you need to leave so that mm-hmm. I can go to this appointment. Right. And so we learned how to um, be a part of this family's life and bless them mm. outside of our home. Yeah. We would often uh, choose to meet them on their terms, so to speak. Oh, you need something? Why don't we drive to you? We can oh, bring okay. it to yeah. you or you want to connect with the kids? How about we meet in a park? You know, yeah. that kind of thing. So in that way, we could practice hospitality, but it wasn't dependent on our actual home. Mm. And it allowed us to kind of skirt some of the inconveniences or things that came up. Um, going back to like the overstaying your welcome bit, I'm not sure if you're in your studying, you read anything about how in the later centuries after this, uh, some of the, the church practices started to put some boundaries on this. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? no, they, I they, did, yeah. did, because it was abused, right? Yeah. Like, people would just show up freeloaders, mm-hmm. right? And and that's the danger, right? Yeah. Like we, and it's that awkward part as Christians where we want to be very generous yeah. with our time, with mm-hmm. our provisions, with our energy. Um, at the same time, we don't want to enable people and create this unhealthy dependency, but we also sometimes like, like, Hey, you're, I'm being taken advantage of here, yeah. right? And that's a really delicate thing as Christians because sometimes we're like, you know what? I'm being taken advantage of, and for the kingdom and for the sake of Christ, 
Hmm. I'm going to let this roll, right? And other times it's kind of like for the kingdom and sake of Christ, we're going to have to, we're going to have to call this to an end. And so a few hundred years after this was written, this church started practicing some very specific boundaries, like limiting how many days traveling guests, you know, traveling speakers were allowed to stay in homes and that kind of stuff because there is that danger of being taken advantage of. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. I, I was reading the same thing where where like if if a speaker was was in town and they they stayed five days, they didn't have to leave the town. No, but they had to move houses totally, and they just had to keep moving or else. Yeah, the yeah. the whole danger, and that's I, I think. I I mean I just think more about the show hospitality without grumbling, right? Like at what point are you still are should you still be showing hospitality, even if it is affecting. Like even if it is disrupting your yeah. life, right. is, is there a point where where hospitality ends and freeloading starts? Ooh, so hard, I, right? I don't have a I don't have an answer. Yeah, and I don't think there's a formula. Like, yeah, I, I think it'd be a case by case, person by person situation, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, we've over the years, um, because of the hospitality and generosity that Marie and I've received um, personally and has been modeled to us personally we've we've lived our lives in such a way that we share our home with others and so we've had people right. live with us with weeks or months and um out of love and out of like continuing relationship with them we end up having to have some you know challenging questions at times mm-hmm. okay like what does this mean now for to make that transition not out of our lives but out of our home so right. to speak yeah. and um y- you do it out of love and you do it uh, gently but um with a lot of sensitivity but also you you do it carefully because you don't want to you don't want to hurt feelings but right. at the same time you do have that responsibility of loving them to a point where they're no longer dependent on mm. you, which is super tricky. But yeah, that's what it no comes kidding. down to because like love means interdependence. Yep. Um, uh, there's a time for dependency. I mean, I'm kind of got Keith's sermon from last week in the back of my head mm. as I'm thinking about this. Like we all go through a stage of dependency in life, but the goal is always interdependency and even mm. in hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, even thinking in terms of back in the day, there wasn't hospitals. So hospitality meant sometimes taking care of someone who yeah. is sick. Wow. Well, you bring them to a point of healing, mm-hmm. right? And then and then they then they move on. They're restored. And and hospitality is kind of in that even in, in terms of like entertaining guests and and taking care of people meal wise is kind of well you take care of the needs and then with the point of them keep going on. Mm. Any other thoughts coming out of the uh, text as you looked at commentaries or had some personal reflections on it? Um, yeah, I, I really, as I was reading this, I'm a little, I mean, it, 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 it could be its own sermon on, on verse eight, but I was a little yes. sad that it wasn't technically included. We'll go there. Uh, go there, man. So we're going to go, go we're going to go there a little bit. Uh, so verse eight, right before nine, that's how numbers work, Crazy uh, that. <laughs> states that above all keep loving one another earnestly since lover love covers a multitude of sins. Mm. I just find this really interesting and powerful and I feel like it really connects with yes. with nine and ten because it's like above all keep mm-hmm. loving each other earnestly yeah and how um, hospitality is like this super tangible concrete yeah. expression of love exactly it's like an all-in expression of love um because it's one thing to um love someone by sending them a gift card say for a grocery store mm-hmm. it's another thing to say actually come to my house right sit at my table and i'll yeah. feed you personally like that's both are very good and both are needed and sometimes one is preferred over the other depending on the context but like yeah. above all that's a huge example of love bringing someone into right. your house to to sleep to eat yeah yeah um that actually i i that brings up a story for Go my for life it. um 
Not necessarily exactly, but I, I remember uh, my family was living in Cranbrook, BC mm-hmm. um, at the time. I've moved around a lot. That's a different story. Um, but my dad and I had to go to the bank in the evening for something. We were, we were depositing a check or, or whatever, and it was just okay. the two of us. Uh, so it was probably around seven or eight or nine o'clock. It was, it was dark out. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as my dad was coming back into the car, somebody walk up, walked up to the van and was like, hey, I am in a really rough spot right now. Mm-hmm. Do you have any money that you could spare so I could go buy some food? Right. Uh, and my dad, without any sort of ands, ifs, or buts, he said, no, I'm not going to give you money. But if you jump in the van... I'll take you to Safeway and then we can go buy you awesome. like we'll, we'll I'll go do a full grocery run with you. Awesome. Uh, so the guy just jumped in the back. I was like wide eyed, mm-hmm. confused the whole time. I yeah. was probably like 10 or 11 wow. at the time. Right. Um, and then we just drove to save on uh, or, or Safeway and and my dad got out. I stayed in the car and he just went and and, and bought him groceries. And then that was it. Uh, there was no conversation. There was no there was no like after effect of like, oh, haha, that was pretty cool. Right, son. Right. Uh, but it was just like this, this, this beautiful showing of love right. to somebody with no strings attached. With no strings attached. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that. I mean, obviously, that is that is carried with me, and I don't even know if he knows that that I've thought about that. Right. Um, but it's yeah. It's it's the above all like loving one another is mm-hmm. the is the important thing. Yeah. It's not necessarily the simple act of hospitality of of cooking a meal for somebody mm-hmm. or allowing them to stay in your bed, but mm-hmm. it's it's the, it's the love, it's the heart, it's the heart behind the action of the action itself. Yeah. So that's solid, man. That's a good story. Yeah. I can totally see how as a young person that leave a big mark on you. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I was thinking as you're telling that story, how, uh, one of the commentaries I read wanted to make the point very clearly that everyone's supposed to practice hospitality. Yeah. It's not just for leaders. It's not just for people who are affluent or who have food or space to spare. It's mm-hmm. not for like the spiritually mature, like scripture's pretty clear. Like if you follow Jesus, you practice hospitality, right. which I think is kind of interesting because I think growing up, a lot of my experience with hospitality was, well, you're hospitable when you have some extra, mm. when you have something to spare, when right. you do have the room to have someone over that sort of thing. Right. Um, but like, no, it doesn't matter your circumstance. doesn't matter, you know, economically how you're doing or socially how you're doing. It's expected of everyone. Mm-hmm. And how hospitality in the grand scheme of things is a two-way endeavor. It's mm. not just one person always down other, but like sometimes there's mutual hospitality. Sometimes it happens over a season, mm. you know, where maybe a family takes care of my family and blesses yeah. them. And years down later, we can return the favor. But also it's a, as a large scheme in the church family, like we take care of each other through hospitality. Right. And it's not that, and, and, and if everyone's being hospitable to others, eventually everyone receives and gives hospitality. Mm. And that's something that really can tie a church together, that right. brings connection. Uh, one of the commentaries uh, acknowledged how, you know, we we don't live in a world where, um, let's put it this way, we live in a world where we're aware of what's going on in other cities and other mm-hmm. churches, all that kind of stuff, just because we're super connected. Yeah. That wasn't the case. They may have no idea what's going on in the churches the next province over right. or a few cities over. So the fact what hospitality did is it allowed these local congregations and small villages to be more connected mm. because you heard stories from what's happening in other churches, how they're solving problems, what God is doing in that community. And that's a super awesome, vulnerable thing and glue thing that brings right. the church together, the big yeah. church together. And um, I think that's something 
you know, even timely in COVID that can be very important because mm-hmm. it brings people together and, and gets them connected. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you were talking about the big church and big bringing church, the big yep. church together. Um, and kind of like going back to what we were talking about at the beginning mm-hmm. where there was no church building. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find it's a very easy connection to right now. Obviously, today. right? Yeah. August 23rd. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's no church. I mean, we're sitting here, we're, we're recording in the church building, Yep. but the, the idea of the large church gathering physically mm-hmm. just isn't really reality right now. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you, oh man. Yeah. What do how we do, do you, about that? Yeah. What do we do about that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting cause like, uh, it totally is a worthwhile one other statement to look at because of the parallels. Like mm-hmm. it just converges so interestingly to this experience. And we say it's an easy thing to talk about because uh, the, the early church had to meet in homes, but it's not easy to talk about because we're being forced to like totally right. rethink our paradigm. Yeah. Right. And even uh, my four year old this morning, she's like, daddy, are you going to church? I'm like, I'm going to the church building. Yeah. I'm going to the office, mm-hmm. you know, like, and it's been really helpful for me and for others, hopefully as well to like associate, right. The church isn't the building. The church is the people gathered together wherever they can gather. Right. Mm. So yeah, it's not an easy thing to kind of, um, try to look at things from a different perspective and, and get new sight on things. But I think at the same time, it's very exciting and right. potentially very uh, life giving. Um, in an earlier podcast, you and I did, I brought up this concept of postures and practices Mm, mm -hmm. and how postures is kind of the spirit, this demeanor, this attitude that we have towards life, this, the, the, the posture that we hold towards life and faith and others and practices are the concrete expression of the, the actual action Mm. of that posture. And as we've talked here, even this morning, um, most of our hospitality experiences are inviting a family over or a friend over around our table. Right. And that's what we've always equated with, with hospitality. We can't do that right now Mm. in the exact same way. And so it's, it would be totally normal for someone to say, Hey, how do I practice hospitality? I only know this, but, Mm. but what we've become familiar with is really only a small slice of what hospitality can be in the grand scheme of things. And we're being forced because of the disruption of COVID to imagine what hospitality could look like now. Um, It can be on the go kind of like stuff that you just told about Mm. you and your dad. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be um, other things like meeting people in parks. It can be like grabbing a coffee and sitting down with a friend. I sat down with a friend this morning and and practiced hospitality. Um, As I was actually chatting with my friend this morning at Tim Hortons, um, uh, because we were connecting over grief, we got Mm -hmm. uh, some similar similar history there that uh, we're working through. I was thinking of this uh, quote from Henry Nouwen. It's in his book uh, on compassion. And uh, Henry Nouwen writes, compassion means going directly to those people and places where suffering is most acute and building a home there. Mm. And I was thinking about in this conversation where my buddy and I were just sitting and having a cup of coffee at Tim Hortons, I was able to build a home in his life. Right. Because he knew that I had experiences in the past that he's living through right now. And, um, I could be hospitable Hmm. by creating space for him to share those feelings, to share those thoughts. Um, was it easy? Nope. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be with me for a few days, you Mm -hmm. know, as I've kind of chose to live out my grief 
again to connect and minister uh, to my friend. Um, but that's part of lone, uh, that's part of um, hospitality in the sense that um, I feel hospitality is more than just creating space. Right. It's more than just creating space as in like, oh, let's put another chair around the table. It's more than just creating space. Here, have a bed or a couch. Mm-hmm. I think it's creating space to be present with someone. Right. And um, I think in COVID, that's where it really lands for us because... Mm. Um, maybe in our current culture, we don't have the same need for hotels. Yeah. You know, we maybe don't have the same need as like a, a daily meal, like, you know, travelers back in the day were in need of because they didn't have restaurants. Right. Um, but what we do have need for is presence because mm. we have been divided. We've been disrupted and now we're apart. Yeah. And um, there's a lot, of, a lot of loneliness right now. And hospitality can be a bit of that cure for loneliness. Mm. And, uh, maybe I'm going on a limb here a bit and pushing the envelope a little too much, but I would actually say that in some ways COVID didn't necessarily create loneliness, but mm. I think COVID in some ways, for some people, some situations, COVID revealed loneliness that was always there. Yeah. Um, because I think sometimes we had, we have some habits that kind of just gloss over and fill us up temporarily the, the our need for socialization and being mm. with people. Mm-hmm. But when that slight, gloss over is taken away from us we realize actually there's a big void there's a big need here and i think COVID has revealed this deep longing we have for connection and community Mm. which comes through hospitality it's filled through hospitality what are you thinking as i say some of that stuff yeah i mean COVID has been hard right like it's 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 hard on all of us even like if you if you take moments and you and you sit and you think and you reflect. There are there are definitely elements that that have been taken away from us, and a and a big part of it is, it is the church, mm-hmm. um, in in a sense. Like there there and I and I think kind of along with the with the mourning period. I think there is a period of yep. mourning that that should take place yep. when when your your life is is disrupted and yep. uprooted, whether that's through. Um, significant loss or yep. through uh, Sunday morning routines being yep. being lost or, or or the the ability to to communicate with a yep. lot of people and it's totally natural to mm-hmm. find it difficult to try new things when you're mourning oh yeah right like because we want familiarity when things are hard yeah and we don't have the enthusiasm or the capacity to think outside that normal paradigm and to try a, a new way of doing things right yeah so there's that loss and there's that frustration as we feel like we've come to the end of ourselves. Um, but I'd also, you know, as a way of encouragement, want to say like it, hospitality doesn't have to be on such a big scale, hmm. right? Like I've been thinking out even how uh, the Pine Street Boys, your yep. housemates and you, you guys host a few dudes once a month yep. and we hang out in your front yard, which is big. And like, how much work does it really take? Yeah, not none. None. It, yeah, it, it means we meet at seven, and I start getting ready at six fifty-five. Right. Yeah. And you send out a Facebook message. Hey, we're still doing this. Yeah. Right. And maybe if you think about it, you mow the lawn. Mm-hmm. Right. Because mowing lawns good. Yeah. And that's it. Like it takes very minimal effort. And I know for a number of the guys, this this feels like church. Mm. It's 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 checking off a lot of the boxes yeah. that has been taken away from us because we're able to connect in a really meaningful way face to face. We circle up and we have good conversations and we laugh and we have fun. 
mm-hmm. and um, it's being hospitable totally within your means. Um, yes, hospitality sometimes comes at a great cost, but sometimes meaningful hospitality comes with almost next to no cost. It just right. means showing up and being present. Yeah. So I've also been thinking how um, there is some silver linings to COVID mm-hmm. and how uh, you mentioned earlier how uh, we're no longer, we have to meet in homes or something like homes right now. Right. And how in many ways it felt like um, when we got in the habit of meeting in the sanctuaries, it took away the onus or the responsibility of many people to be mm. hospitable and mm-hmm. put the onus and responsibility on a select few who were paid to kind of like steer the ship and be right. hospitable yeah. for large groups. And now the, the onus has kind of returned back to the everyday person. Hey, we can't gather in large groups anymore. We're going to need more people mm. gathering in small groups in forms of hospitality, whether it's your backyard, whether you organize something to go for a walk around Mill Lake or yeah. meet up for like a bring your own picnic in the park, that kind of thing. Those are all great things. It takes a little bit of effort, takes a little bit of planning and scheduling and and such. But what I like about it is that it's sharing the responsibility Mm. and it's bringing back the attention that's needed to that. Like, you know what? We're all called to be hospitable. Again, you know, I'm I'm not interested in guilting people. I'm not interested in burdening people. This Mm -hmm. is not a, hey, Pastor Andrew tells you to do this, else you're a bad person. I'm not getting there. But what I want to say is that like everybody wins when we all start practicing hospitality. And if we start moving in small ways, even if it's just a phone call, even if it's just like bringing coffee to a friend or a coworker, um, those are practices of hospitality that can gather a ton of momentum and connection for our church family. Very cool. Um, I'm, I got, I would love to even share some stories or some stuff that I've found meaningful. What do you think, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that would be a good way to good way to wrap it up to kind of start wrapping it up. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I think of hospitality, uh, I actually think of Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry. I couldn't come up with any star Wars references. Ah, it's fine. Yeah. There's a different podcast for that. Don't worry. Yeah. Anyways, I'm a big Lord of the Rings guy. And um, there's actually two scenes, uh, actually a quote and a scene that uh, I feel have both accurate representations of, of hospitality, but, mm. but con- contrasting representations of hospitality. Okay, interesting. So we have this, we have this quote um, from uh, Lord of the Rings, the first book, Fellowship of the Ring. And I'm just going to read it word for word here. Uh, we actually have this quote, Marie and I, in our house. Because okay. this quote has been so meaningful to us. Um, my cousin is a calligrapher and she wrote it out on like big parchment mm. made it look really awesome. Anyways, the quote says, Frodo was now safe in the last homely house east of the sea. That house was, as Bilbo had long ago reported, a perfect house. Whether you like food or sleep or storytelling or singing or just sitting and thinking best or a pleasant mixture of them all, merely to be there was a cure for weariness, mm. fear, and sadness. And like this is a super serene picturesque idea image of hospitality, which Marie and I aspire our house to be. Hmm. But we are at the young kid, young kid stage of life where it's like this sometimes for some people, but like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not, you know, calm necessarily. (laughs) And so there's this, other picture of hospitality in a different book by Tolkien, The Hobbit, okay, where at the yep. near the beginning of The Hobbit, uh, Bilbo is essentially tricked by Gandalf 
to be hospitable to these rowdy dwarves, right? right? And uh, they literally clean out his pantry, and Mm -hmm. at least they clean up the dishes afterwards. But I'm like, yeah, sometimes hospitality is more like that. It's spontaneous, it's messy, it's noisy, it costs, Mm. but it accomplished the task they needed to get done. It was a blessing. It's a part of the bigger picture and and it provides that connection, the momentum going forward, Hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I have, when I think of hospitality, I often think of those two contrasting images and how, yeah, I really aspire to be like Rivendell, this really calm, serene place where people can just show up and relax. And we have lots of friends who say, man, I just love sleeping at your house. I get such a good sleep. And I'm like, Cool. I wish that was my experience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and sometimes having uh, meals with friends sounds a little more like having meals with the dwarves because there's lots of kids and it's rowdy and it's yeah. messy and all the food gets cleared out just really fast. Yeah. Do the uh, kids do the dishes at the end? Uh, no, they don't. Okay. Not yet. We're working on it. They're starting, they're starting to bake, which is pretty okay. cool. Yeah. When they make it, that's, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, anyway, some personal stories um, that have really been meaningful for Marie and I. Um, a couple of them I would maybe just touch on quickly. Um, Marie and I were, were newly married, uh, just even a few months married and we were in need of a place to live. Mm. And, um, we had friends who we weren't super close with, but they're from the church and they said, Hey, Andrew, you're not working. You're looking for a ministry position. Marie, you're working part-time. Why don't you just take over our basement? And it was super last minute because the basement suite we were living in, the place got sold. We had like a week to move. And to live with Randy and Janice, people that were just acquaintances, you know, friends of my parents, that kind of thing. But to live yeah. in their place for two and a half months to allow them to take over, we allow, we were allowed to take over their their basement. We ate meals with them. Hmm. That left a huge impression on us. And yeah. that put us as a couple on a trajectory to emulate that for other people. Like okay. that was that was 16 years ago and it was a big deal. Yeah. You know? Um Another story um, from a similar set of time, actually, probably more like, hmm, probably more like 18, 20 years ago, actually, at this time. Um, I was actually just connected with my mom about this story earlier this week because I'm like, I want details about this um, because it's one of my mom's stories about practicing hospitality. But uh, it was summer. I was working at camp. I was, I was home for the weekend and um, we we're all gathering as a family to celebrate my sister's birthday. And there is a complete stranger there, a teen girl that my mom found on the side of the road, screaming and crying for help because uh, her boyfriend ditched her, like threw her luggage down the side of the road, everything. And my mom's like, well, you can come to our place, you know, and it was it was super this it was a super tied into this like do not grumble thing because my sister was a little miffed. That yeah. there was a stranger at her family dinner party for her birthday. Like, mm-hmm. like th- that wasn't, that was a problem, right? Yeah. She got over it eventually, but like, this is supposed to be a special birthday and right. my parents are taking care of this other teen girl who's having a really hard time. Right. Yeah. And, uh, it was going to be a few hours before her parent could pick her up because she was from out of town. Okay. And so I had gone, I think by this time to go back to camp and my mom's like, well, you can sleep in my son's bed if you want. So like, you know, like I gave up yeah. my bed yeah. for this woman to, to crash for a little bit. And again, that kind of, um, you know, whereas the first story was talking about like bending over backwards for people, you know, Hmm. the second story for me was like, wow, look at, look at what my parents did for someone they didn't know. They just took a huge risk, trusted God. We're praying through it, the whole thing. And it's like, yep, this is what we're supposed to do. We're going to take care care of this young woman, make sure she's safe. She's going to be a part of my daughter's birthday party. Who cares? She's going to sleep in my son's bed. Who cares? Right. Hmm. We're going to make it work. And that was really cool. That left a big impression on me. Yeah. Um, last story, um, 
comes a more recent, probably in the last uh, 12 years. Yeah, it happened about 12 years ago. Um, when our son was at BC Children's, um, we went, went and got Starbucks a lot. Yeah. Obviously, there's a Starbucks right there. Absolutely. And we cannot say enough good things about the, the baristas who worked there. Um, you know, we remember them. Here it is 12, 13 years later. Remember, never them by name. Stephanie, Mark, Kathy. Um, in a strange way, they became friends um, because they were always so warm and receptive mm. to us. They were example of, they were practicing hospitality to us at their workplace. Yeah, they were wow. practicing hospitality to us when we were at our worst, when we needed caffeine because we were tired or we needed caffeine because we were sad. They were there with a warm smile, with encouragement. We got to know them. We got to know their lives. Mm. We got to, we sat with them off work. Um, and for us, one of the big turning points was um, this young woman named Stephanie we didn't know her. We didn't, I don't think we even knew her name, but she saw that Marie was having a hard day and Marie was crying, grabbing her coffee and walking off that kind of thing. And Stephanie just like left her shift and just ran after Marie and sat with Marie at the picnic bench and just mm. sat with Marie. She cried. I'm like, like, that's not normal barista yeah. stuff. You've been a barista at Starbucks. Yeah. So you know that this is not normal barista it's stuff. It's not. Yeah. And, uh, we found out later actually that, um, they they had um, advocated for and started doing uh, essentially compassion training. Hmm. They basically said, this is a very special Starbucks to work at, yeah. but you need to be trained in a unique way to work here. And so um, people, as they brought on new people, they would be trained for like, this is how you work with customers who are having a hard day. Like they're, hmm. you're going to be meeting people at the worst day of their lives. Yeah, This is how you serve them. And for me, that has always left a big impression on... Um, how they were hospitable, just kind of on the fly, not yeah. in their homes, but in a very you know difficult environment where there's good things happening in a hospital, but there's also very bad things. Yeah. Where do you want to end this? Where do you want to take this to wrap this up? Do you have a question, uh, oh. a comment? <laughs> do I have a question or a comment? I don't know. Those were, those were really good stories. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I mean, and I, I'm afraid of like saying anything more because I don't want to repeat ourselves and get this thing t- super redundant. Um, I know in, as we were exchanging notes earlier this week, I made a comment that I love some of your hot takes. <laughs> I loved your hot take was that the hospitality was the driving connection, not preachers, pastors, worship leaders, or elders. And yeah. I'm like, yes, that's a hot take. I yeah. love it. And uh, later on, out of one of the commentaries, you noted that hospitality is key to the church's success. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything that comes to mind when you hear those things? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just keep, and and again, I don't want to be repeating ourselves, but I just keep thinking about right now. Like, mm. like the, the church is found in small connections. Yeah. I know we have... Uh, there's at least one journey group that is that is still meeting very strong and yeah. and and whether or not they're showing hospitality in a physical sense. Mm. Um, but they're... It's it's essentially a house church. Yeah. I mean, they're staying in their own houses. Yeah. But um, it's just the my yeah. I don't know. I, if I was to say my big encouragement is that the church is not gone because we're not meeting in yeah. the building. Yeah. Right. The 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 church is is found anywhere that you bring it yeah. or or want it to be. Yeah. Right. So. And I mean, and I would end by saying this: like hospitality, obviously, is about identifying and meeting needs. Yeah. And sometimes um, we live our lives at such a hectic pace hmm. or we live our lives so full that we aren't even, we aren't necessarily aware to the subtle needs that exist 
you know, in our communities, yeah. in our neighborhoods, that kind of thing. And so my encouragement would be to first, like, just pause, slow down mm-hmm. and, and pay attention, like put your radar up, you know, slow down, to have conversations, slow down to see with your own eyes, where are the needs, that kind of thing. Um, it, we often want to live our lives so fast and so full because we're sometimes uncomfortable when things slow down and we're uncomfortable with like open space. But I would encourage people to like create space to be inconvenient, create space to, uh, so that when you see needs, you can actually go and fill Mm. those needs. Mm -hmm. Um, and the other thing I'd want to say is that, you know, if you're not sure where to start because you have this impulse to be hospitable, like even if there's not needs that you're aware of within our specific church family, there is a lot of great local organizations where you could partner with local people. Yep who are doing great things in the community where you can be hospitable in parks and mm. hospitable in, in other sorts of institutions and organizations um, and practice it that way. Not in the typical, like I'm making a meal for someone sort of hospitality, but other ways to be hospitable for people. And the last thing I'd want to say, and maybe it's the last thing, maybe I'm going to shoot myself in the foot because maybe something quick will come to my brain <laughs> after this is that um, I think we can do a little bit better at getting honest about our own needs hmm. I think sometimes in Christendom, in Christian circles, there is that pressure to kind of like save face and not be vulnerable, not not reveal our needs. Yeah. Which then creates other people to not be vulnerable and reveal their needs. And um, I would encourage people to like, nobody wants to be seen as needy, mm-hmm. but don't be afraid to be vulnerable and express your needs. Right. Because in our own community, in our own level ground community, we know we have people who love being hospitable, who just mm. want to be generous mm. and helpful and want to be present. And it's not being needy. It's And so I think also when we have the courage to uh, reveal our own needs, it encourages, empowers other people to also express their needs. Yeah. Um, I remember, uh, I can't remember where I read this, Maybe it's one of those great Facebook quotes that just these memes or viral <laughs> stories that show up. Yeah. But, you know, um, this person remembers as a child asking their mom or their dad, hey, why do you ask the neighbor for salt? Like, we have a whole box of salt here. Mm. And the, the parent replied, well, I know they're in a hard time. And if I model to them that I have needs, they're going to feel more comfortable coming to us when they mm. have needs. So it was kind of intentionally tricky. Yeah. But at the same time, this person was trying to lay the groundwork for, for reciprocal or mutual hospitality because they yeah. didn't want to put that person in a place of shame or guilt to ask for needs. And so mm-hmm. they were able, they decided to take initiative and creatively manifest a need so that when the situation arose for that family, that neighbor to need help, they knew that they could go and ask right. for help without feeling guilted or shamed. Hmm. So how should we wrap this up, my dear friend, Mitch? Yeah. I don't know. Probably prayer. Probably prayer is solid. Yeah. How would I end in prayer? Let's do it. Hey, God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the means to connect with our church family and others through recording, audio, and video. We acknowledge that we live in a blessed time where we have resources like this, technology like this. We have the opportunity, Mitch and I, to meet face-to-face and have this conversation. We have, we have access to books and resources that can help uh, spur our thoughts and, and frame our opinions as we approach this text. Most importantly, we thank you for Scripture. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your Spirit. We thank you, God, that um, despite the challenges of COVID, 
that we still have opportunities to practice hospitality. And so we pray, God, for your the creativity that comes from being in union with your spirit. We ask for that creativity to fill us and to guide us so that we could find ways to uh, be hospitable to one another, to our neighbors, to our friends and family, mm. to our people in our church family. We ask, God, that you renew in us uh, a, a spirit that is not grumbling, but a spirit that is generous, a, a spirit that uh, is of goodwill and thinks the best of others. And give us discernment, Lord, to know how to practice hospitality, of what to give to others and, and of when to encourage others and equip others. We thank you for this time. We thank you for our church family. We ask that you bless our church family and that as needs come up, that we as a church family can encourage one another and be hospitable to one another. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, and just as a final little touch on this, um, I believe Josh and I will be doing a very similar format next week. Yes. Um in Galatians. Yeah. So thank you, church family, for uh, participating in this experiment with us as we try a new podcast style of a mm -hmm. Sunday morning message. We'll see where it goes after this. Perfect. Thanks. Thanks, Mitch.